Hey, this is Steve Durr. Today we're going to look at Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11 and going to verse 27. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct their impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him, and they sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Well, that's a cheery passage to begin our time together. <laughs> um, you gotta love the Bible. My, my son, uh, my youngest son saw the Bible miniseries on TV or we saw parts of it. Uh, and uh, the Bible is quite violent. Um, this is a side note, by the way. And so when my son heard about a, a, a movie, and I said, you can't watch that, it's got too much violence, he said to me, Dad, I saw the Bible, I can watch this. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, there is certainly a lot of interesting stories in Scripture um, that are shocking. And Jesus tells a bit of a shocking uh, story. Um, he tells a story about a master who goes away to become king. And the reason he tells this story, this parable, is because there was an expectation that people had, an expectation that the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, um, that that belief that God was going to arrive and vindicate Israel and set the world right, and kick out Rome and destroy Rome and you know bring peace and prosperity to Israel. That that view of the kingdom of God, um, there was this sense that it was going to be immediate. It was going to be fully implemented when the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer, the Anointed One arrived. And so there was this anticipation. Jesus is getting close to Jerusalem right now, and everyone at this time around Jesus is thinking, "Here we go." This is the moment we've all been waiting for. This is the moment when Jesus shows himself truly as the Messiah, the rescuer, who is going to powerfully 
confront Rome, and set the world right. And so Jesus recognizes this expectation uh, his followers and others are having, and he wants to correct it. So he tells a story about a king, a master, who a master who goes away to become king, and uh, and in the meantime entrusts his servants with resources to invest. And so um, this parable is actually kind of rooted in some actual stories that took place, uh, you know, actual stories in the history of Israel, uh, right before the time of Jesus. Um, Herod the Great, a great leader. Um, who is a master builder, a tyrant uh, by his own right, but uh, a master builder, Herod the Great, who who kind of ruled as a, a puppet Roman king over Israel and that, that region. He had to go to Rome. Um, he had to get the nod from Rome and Caesar to become the king, the ruler of the nation of Israel in that region on behalf of Rome. After he died in 4 BC, shortly after the birth of Jesus, Herod the Great died. And Herod the Great, after he died, there was a leadership vacuum. So his son Archelaus went to Rome to receive the kingship authority over that region, the region of uh, his father ruled in Israel on behalf of Rome. And uh, what's interesting, though, this is well known at the time of Jesus, Archelaus went to Rome to become king. Uh, but when he went to Rome to become king, he didn't go alone. There was a whole delegation from Israel who went as well, uh, Jews and Samaritans, to say they didn't want him to be their king. And so this is kind of the imagery. Um, a master goes away. Um, some people are opposing this master, don't want him to become king, um, but he goes away to become king, and he's going to return as king. The question is, what are the servants doing while he's gone? Um, because uh, this is the kind of, key thing Jesus is looking at here. There's 10 servants. They each receive a uh, very valuable coin, a pound. And two of the servants uh, invested the resource of the master and received more for their master. Um, and so the master rewarded the two servants that were faithful and uh, with what they had been entrusted with. And so therefore, he gave them even more influence and gave them more responsibility. And they're going to now rule with him. And so... Uh, you know, Jesus in the story is bringing up this point that while the master's away, before the king finally returns, um, he's looking for good, faithful servants who have received the little they've been entrusted with and uh, invest it and put it to work and use it on behalf of the king. And so therefore they receive a reward. Uh, so, you know, the king rewards the two servants, but then he gets to this third servant here, number three out of the ten, who just hid the money and returned the original amount to the master. So the master confronts the servant, and after all, the master clearly explained that he expected that he wanted his resources to be invested. And so this servant did not obey the master. He hid the master's money and, uh, and made it less secure, therefore. Um, it was a foolish, disobedient move. And so the servant uh, loses the money that was entrusted to him, and it was given to the one who had invested the most, who had shown the most faithfulness and uh, obedience and uh, uh, investment um, skill. And so how does this all relate to Jesus redefining the kingdom of God arriving? Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and people think this is Israel's moment of triumph. 
But what Jesus is saying, the king is arriving now. God is coming in Jesus. The king is coming to visit Jerusalem. Will he find his servants um, faithful? Will he find his servants um, investing what God had entrusted to them for his glory and his work? And so um, Jesus is saying, listen, the king is coming to Jerusalem, and it's not going to be what you're expecting. There will be mercy, yes, um, but there will be judgment. And there will come a day that Jerusalem um, experiences that judgment. And we'll learn more about that in the next coming days in these readings. But Jesus here is saying, listen, instead of focusing on the when, when is the kingdom coming? Uh, focus on faithfully anticipating, being faithful to whatever God has entrusted with you now and investing whatever God has entrusted to you now, investing your life, being faithful with your life, being obedient with your life, trusting him with your life now. Um, the kingdom of God uh, it is, is something that has begun, um, but one day it will be complete. And until that day, how are you investing what God has entrusted to you? Your time, your resources, your relationships, your, in, your influence, uh, your prayers. Um, how have you invested all those things? Uh, and so the question for you today is, you know, what is God saying to you? The king, the king has come and the king will come again um, as his servant. Um, what is God saying to you? What investment is he wanting you to make? How is he wanting you to restructure maybe your time or restructure your resources or restructure your influence or where you put your energy that he might find you faithful? And I'm going to close off with this, uh, this little line here. It says, the king exclaims, you are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I've entrusted to you. So now I will entrust you more. So what's God saying to you and what will you do about it? Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a good king, a king who loves us, but a king who not only shows great mercy, but a king who also will one day return with judgment. And that can be shocking and fearful at times. Um, and yet at the same time, we have great confidence thanks to Jesus. Um, and so as a result of that, God, we want to be faithful. And so today, show us how we can be faithful to you. Show us how we can invest what you've entrusted to us for your glory, your kingship. May you find us faithful today. And so lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.